0: Hey, everybody, before we jump into today's Radiohead, a moon-shaped pool podcast, we just wanted to make our usual plugs. Check us out at level4media.net. Subscribe to the listening podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher. Throw us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback, um, and any feedback you can give, including a written review or an out-of-five-star rating, really helps us gain some steam. Also, if you're hungry for more Radiohead Uh, podcast content, check out The Radiohead Pod, episode 15 of The Listen In Podcast, for a breakdown of their entire catalog, by yours truly and Sean. Also, on level4media.net, we have two blog posts for Radiohead fans. One is the Top 10 Radiohead Songs, written by Sean. The second, that I wrote, is How to Get Into Radiohead. So, This actually wouldn't be for a fan, but if you're interested in getting into their catalog and you want to to know how, what album to start with, this blog will help you with that. Also, reach out to us on Twitter. Let us know what you thought of the new album. Let us know what you think of our podcast. Let us know about anything. Just talk with us. We'd love to hear from you. At level4 underscore media. Thanks for listening, and let's go.
1: Is this a low-flying panic attack? No, it's the Listen In Podcast.
0: I am in awe. That's an all-time best intro. Say, I don't even really know what to say in response to that, except that, that was good. Yeah? That was good, yeah. and
1: I, I'm so excited for today's episode, because we got a new Radiohead album. New Radiohead record is upon us, entitled A Moon-Shaped Pool, and we are taking episode 23 to do our breakdown of it. So we've had a couple weeks now of just big album releases, these all just feel like momentous podcasts where it's like, oh my God, we have to break down this album. It was Prince and Beyonce. It was Drake last week. It's Radiohead this week. The hits keep on coming, Jay.
0: Here we are with Radiohead, and I have to say, from a grammatical standpoint, I'm upset that their album is not titled A Moon Dash Shaped Pool. The hyphen is important because it it, it changes those words to be a compound adjective.
1: That's right. To and modify it's, pool. It's kind of like one of those jokes online when people are like, watch out where you put your commas it changes yeah. the word or yeah. changes the meaning of your sentence exactly. it's not that bad that's probably but... my biggest complaint about the album yeah yeah um,
0: because this thing's pretty good but we're going to get into that but first Sean, i want to <coughs> congratulate you because you won i think what I, I think we can say this is the year's first big over under so it to is. give some explanation earlier in the year if you've been keeping up with the listening podcast you know that in one of the earlier episodes um a few months ago we did a a preview for 2016 over-under. So, for example, we said, how many Best New Musics will Pitchfork give out this year? Over or under, what did we say, 46? 48 and a half. Okay, so one of the ones we also did was over-under seven days' notice for the new Radiohead album. And uh, I foolishly took the over because, because, I thought Radiohead's been doing so many surprise things, the most surprising thing they could do is just announce an album a ways out and release it on that given date. It did not come to fruition. And I, was, exactly, I was proven a
1: fool. That's exactly why you were wrong there, Jake. Because if that was the most surprising thing they could do, it actually becomes the least surprising thing. That there's, they a could of, do. there's
0: a lot so of. There's a lot of. So they had to
1: zigzag and be like, "Oh, you thought we were gonna surprise release it? So now you're thinking we're gonna not surprise release it? We're back to surprise releasing it, or like sort of surprise releasing it." It was a pretty decent surprise release. I mean, they, basically, they... what I'm saying is that I live in Tom York's brain. Sure. I know exactly what he's talking, what he's thinking at all times. And w- that's why I took that under.
0: Oh, weird that you didn't, you know, like give a just an exact release date. If you live inside his brain,
1: he told me to not tell people, or I mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to live in his brain anymore. You, it's kind of like oh. Plankton uh, in SpongeBob when he was controlling SpongeBob's brain. Right. He just like plugged that thing in, and oh, he had yeah. levers.
0: Which, first of all, was basically just like a plug. That's it all it was. Popped a plug into
1: Spongebob's yeah. brain. That's beside the point. Spongebob pod coming uh, June 2016.
0: Well, we pushed it to July.
1: July 2016.
0: Yeah, July. Sorry. So more aquatic. People will be out at the That's beach really more regularly. Thing. So anyways, congrats on that. I, I, I don't know what the hell I was thinking, uh, imagining that Radiohead might give us some notice. In fact, it was not only under the seven days that we gave as our over-under, it was under the four days that they gave for the
1: King of Limbs. This was a two-day... Buffer. They announced it on a Friday, came out on a Sunday. So So let's let's talk about that for a second because Friday Fridays in general have become the de facto day for albums to be released. And they're like, No, 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 we're gonna do it on Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon on Mother's Day. What a what a move that is.
0: It's just like that's Radiohead for you. They don't give a shit. Do man. you think
1: they even acknowledge or know that Mother's Day is a thing?
0: I would imagine it's it's somewhere do up. Do they there. have Mothers? I, I actually... I, we can't confirm that. I, as far as we know... Okay, I think, like, Ed O'Brien and, like, Phil Selway have mothers. The Greenway, the Greenwood brothers and Tom York are, are almost definitely either aliens or robots. I think Tom York is a sentient... Like, a, a, a very emotional robot, and I think that the, the Greenwood
1: brothers are a couple aliens. I can they get look on like board aliens. with that. You heard it here first. Yeah, this
0: is a this is a big listen-in theory. Um, and, and this actually leads to... What we wanted to talk about a little bit, which is that the build-up up up to the release of this album. Um, So until last Friday, again, there was no release date named. um, But through last week, um, I forget which day exactly. It might have been Monday, Tuesday. We started getting little clues. For Mm -hmm. example, Radiohead erased their entire internet presence. Which is, first of all, like that is a headline that
1: I would just expect to see on any given day. So I want to talk about that too because... That, to me, isn't surprising in any way. I no. feel like in their mind, they're like, ooh, this is going to be, this is a big commentary on our internet presence and internet use in general on how people are just detached from reality and they're living their lives online. We're going to put our Facebook profile picture completely white. It's like, dude, that doesn't, you still have the account. Like, it, you, you're using it again. Like, yeah. it's not a big deal. Like, right.
0: Well, I think either... And you know it's, what it is.
1: it is? It's like your friend who isn't on Facebook anymore they delete their Facebook account and they they want everyone to know about it yeah when you're like, oh, did you see this thing on Facebook they're like, oh no, no, I deleted my account. They bring it up in every yeah every context, every situation they well, can. and then
0: they still use like their best friend or girlfriend's Facebook to check up on people yeah. um, I think the other sort of take on this is that Radiohead was like this is a new start. Um, on an album with themes that revolve around sort of new starts for Tom York and stuff. Maybe they were like, this is a fresh, a reboot, so to speak. Um, But yeah, I think it was less shocking than they maybe anticipated. Um, It made news,
1: but because it's radio... Because they could do anything. Yeah, Tom York could like... Tom York takes a shit and it makes news.
0: Yeah, that happened today. That was on Pitchfork. (laughs) A big steaming shit from Tom York. Um, So... Also, in this lead-up period of last week, we got a couple cryptic sort of Instagram posts and um, including uh, stuff from the Burn the Witch music video, which we got, I think, the next day or the same day. Yeah. Um, so the first thing we really got that was a clue to this album is we got the release of Burn the Witch. So we won't break down the song yet because we'll do
1: that when we do the tracks. But this video. This video. So, yeah, the first little teaser was just that bird chirping at the beginning in that claymation stop-motion animation. And I was just like, "What are they up to with this?"
0: you could feel the collective internet excitement over like yeah.
1: anything released. Just in Radio this chirping Man. bird, and then we get the full video, which ends up being one of the creepiest and like scariest uses of stop motion animation of all time. Yeah,
0: it's a great music video and, and so I can speak for Sean I think in saying that neither of us really watch music videos that much. No. But obviously Radiohead does anything we we will watch or listen or whatever. And so this video, um I thought it was really, really great. And it didn't hurt that I loved the song from the jump.
1: Yes. Um, which which we will talk about. Yeah. Super cool video. The very next day We get hit with the Daydreamers music video, which is directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. He has a relationship with Radiohead, um, especially Johnny Greenwood, who scores a lot of his films. So ends up doing that one uh Ian big friend of the pod who we Huge interviewed uh he was like i'm getting a monsters incorporated vibe from this o- like opening the doors going oh. through them and ending up in other places
0: yeah that's even really cool which good i didn't point.
1: think of at all but like that's interesting
0: yeah and so on instagram they also posted just this uh, video of tom york it was a snippet from the music video and it was just him what looked like wandering through a parking garage which i th- was pretty funny and also like got me excited because you can you could just things were in the air. You could tell yeah. something was going on. Th- there was a big announcement to be made or or something, and it and it turned out to be true.
1: Yeah, then we got the actual announcement that it was coming out, and that of course set everybody off. Except um, me,
0: because I lost my goddamn over. That's no. right. That's Actually right. I
1: was I was celebrating. I yeah. was popping champagne bottles.
0: To be to be fair, I was much more excited that we got a new Radiohead album than I would have been if I won. But you having both probably was great. Oh, an embarrassment of riches. I wanted to talk a little bit about Radiohead's internet savvy. It seems like this has been a theme, so like you said, maybe it wasn't as shocking as it seemed yeah. to erase their internet presence. And it wasn't. Maybe but I think since 2007, when they did the pay-what-you-want model, Um, they've done surprise releases. They're kind of one of the first bands to work with some of this stuff. And then with this one, they seem to know how to generate internet buzz. And this is a band um that got their start in the early 90s. These are guys who are nearing their 50s.
1: Yeah, and for people who claim to like not trust <laughs> technology or have songs or full albums about technology like having a negative effect on the population in our lives they seem to embrace it quite a bit uh and they seem to be doing like just boundary pushing things i mean in rainbows was a pay what you want album that never been done before the king of limbs they released just themselves it was in you know in a surprise format that really kicked off kind of that surprise album trend that we've seen over the past five years and then you see them doing stuff like this of you know kind of Deleting their social media, but not really, and then, you know, releasing videos just straight through YouTube and, and things like yeah. that and in, in leveraging Instagram. So it's interesting that on the surface you wouldn't think that they'd be doing these things, but they do seem to kind of get it and yep. know how to play the game.
0: They totally do, because another, like, little detail I noticed, and I, I actually tweeted this wondering, because their their profile picture on Twitter... Um, is sort of like a negative version That's of what right. we're getting as an album cover on on a moon shaped pool, um, and I I was wondering even when I saw it I was like this must be something this isn't just it, like so and it actually is it turned out to be the album cover that was their profile picture they do a bunch of cryptic
1: things leading up they they like you said they know how to work it's like a it's like a goddamn scavenger hunt it is which, which makes fun. it fun it for does. people it it does make it fun there's more excitement around it it's so much better than the label. Being like, oh, press release, new album from Radiohead coming in July. Like, that's not fun for anybody.
0: Well, and the cool thing about it is, like, it allows, like you said, everybody to get excited all together collectively for this couple of days, and then the announcement hits, and it's just like this... It's
1: it's like a wave of just... That's the other thing. I think they realize people's attention spans aren't what they used to be. People want everything, like, now. They hit us with a couple videos, the announcement, now the album's here. Like, everyone's, like... Really, really excited. You know, we talked last week about how maybe there was some backlash to the Drake album because of how long it got hyped up for and how long people had to wait. That's not really ever the case with Radiohead. Or it hasn't we're,
0: been in years past. We're,
1: we're left, we're we're left like wondering when the next thing is going to come, and then boom, out of nowhere, they hit you with it, and you get wrapped up in this wave of excitement.
0: Well, like you said, they're a band and they're people that are critical of technology. It seems in many ways, but it does seem that as Sort of free spirited creative types that they are, it frees them up to do a lot of stuff that like other bands just can't do. And especially because they have the clout that Radiohead has. I mean, yep. they really are like the one of the last remaining like legacy rock bands from
1: especially from their era that's still doing interesting are, stuff. Are they the biggest, most relevant band left?
0: It, so there's a couple different I mean, arguments.
1: Like, the Rolling Stones are still around. They're still a thing. They're not relevant anymore. They're not creating records that people care well, hold about. Hold on,
0: Sean. A bigger bang? Are we, we going to have this discussion? Are you going to crap on the bigger bang? <laughs> no, in reality, I, I've never listened to a bigger Cause, bang.
1: Because Rolling Stone, the Rolling Stones aren't coming out with critically acclaimed records no. or, like, beloved by everyone records. Radiohead is... Fans love them. Critics love them. There's a ton of excitement. They're very, very relevant. Uh, Who else is doing that on that scale that like everyone is like, it it, like almost stops the internet. Like the day it came out on a Sunday, I had a bunch of just people in my feed like tweeting about Radiohead.
0: On a Sunday and a holiday. Yeah,
1: that never happens. I
0: took time out of my Mother's Day to go to my room, be alone and listen to this record. I mean, that's what it does. If it were like, honestly, even like another band I love, like a national album, or an album it's by Vampire the Weekend. Not or something. even close to the same. I wouldn't stop my day to, oh. I'd be like, will oh, listen Monday. Uh but with this we were like we gotta have the pod Tuesday. We like we just knew we're like we we gotta do that. It's like an event. It is an event. And I was wondering maybe we kind of touched this a little bit. How do you think it compares to previous releases? We can't really speak to releases pre 7 I mean, that's when we are we really started getting into Radiohead. But what do you think is like sort of the most shocking of these? So they have the pay what you want in rainbows one. Yep. They have the King of Limbs surprise announcement. They what sold it from their website. Yeah. And now they do this where they surprise announce in only two days with all the cryptic stuff leading up. I mean, how do you
1: I I, I still think it is in Rainbows is the most significant because that actually that came at a time when the music industry was in a really, really bad place. And Radiohead came along and and said, this is another option for what you can do. And I think that influenced a lot of the band camps of the, like, people using Bandcamp to pay what you want there or, like, self-releasing their own music. People were like, Radiohead did it. This is an alternative to big record labels and the record industry in general. I think that is still felt today in a big way, more so than... The surprise le- releases of of King of Limbs or or this one now, although King of Limbs, like I said, kicked off that trend of surprise album releases, which have become kind of a cliche. And the surprise release hasn't become; it's not much of a surprise it's, anymore. Which is
0: why I appreciated that they used a little bit of like cryptic stuff and some right. some clues here and there, rather than just one day it's dropped and that's it. They right. like left some left us some breadcrumbs um, to lead us to this new album. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I think the in Rainbows release, what that that was like Radiohead as as innovators. They, mm-hmm. That was, that truly was like a very shrewd and like forward thinking business idea that has actually shaped a lot. And I think it really has shaped their image as a band and how they'll be looked at in terms of legacy. Um, because if you think, so like their previous album before that is is uh, uh, Held, of, a thief, Held of the
1: thief five years before. Right. So Radiohead comes out of the clouds with this pay what you want thing, not only is new radiohead a big deal, but they have just this this like insane concept yeah. of, of a pay what you want. And
0: not only that, in Rainbows
1: ends up being a great album. That's so right. So like That's I mean right. if you
0: really think about it I mean, I don't know how I think Critical Reception to Hill of the Thief was a very positive. Yeah. But but with in Rainbows, it was very, very positive. And they did this whole new thing and it did feel like there was this band that like, they're not going away. Like, this is a band that's going to keep doing this. Because you never... Knew, like, it's hard to know with, with bands from the 90s, like, I think around the early 2000s, which is Hell of the Thief came out in 03. Yeah. Who knows, like, when they might phase out. If you really put yourself in the shoes of a Radiohead fan circa 2006, the year before in Rainbows, um, and even throughout 2007, you're probably maybe forgetting about them a little bit, moving on to new
1: bands a little bit. Um, you're probably questioning if they're ever going to come out with anything again. And, and I think that's something interesting about Radiohead. I don't think people talk enough about that time in between Hail of the Thief and In Rainbows because it feels like that was the real end of a of a certain chapter in their career and yep. they started up this other one. Um, I, I think they got really sick of doing a lot of press and promotion yep. for their albums and they just kind of came this rogue band uh, and like, a group of artists who are just going to do whatever they want and that's kind of who they've they've grown into over the past decade. It's been almost a decade since, since In Rainbows came out. Which man. is cra- just crazy.
0: That's crazy. I mean I remember buying that album and this is a quick tangent but To put it in perspective, that was like maybe the second Radiohead album I'd heard. I think I got the Benz for Christmas. Um that same year but I bought in rainbows and uh, at the time I thought it was so weird and when, and when you listen to it now it's really accessible it's, yeah in my mind I don't know I mean maybe if you're another teenager get just getting into rock music it probably sounds weird compared to the whatever you know the Led Zeppelins of the world but Led eh, Zeppelin did some weird stuff that's I don't true. know
1: that's true hats off to Roy Harper uh, let's talk about the album title and the cover so what so one of my favorite things about Radiohead is the aesthetic that they create for all of their albums to me, and we mentioned this on our Radiohead podcast, where we broke down their entire discography. To me, the album covers always kind of reflect the visual of what you're hearing on the album. So, Kid A, you you have these these mountains, and it's cold and stark, and the you know the sounds you're hearing on that album are kind of in the same vein. Um, and that you know that you could argue that every single album they've had that visual that co- goes along with it is similar to the sounds that you're hearing. So what do you think of A Moon-Shaped Pool as a title and as a visual?
0: So quick side note before I get into it. I have I had not said A Moon-Shaped Pool out loud many times before we started. It's it's actually not that easy to say. No. <laughs> it's actually a little tough to – it doesn't flow well. Um, that, so with that being said, I actually really like the title. And the cover, um, I think it is a big time rebound from what was, I think, their weakest cover since Pablo Honey um, with The King of Limbs. I think The King of Limbs, um, which is their previous record, came out in two thousand eleven. Um, I think it was their sort of biggest whiff of an album cover. It's it's cool looking, but I don't know. It's kind of goofy. It yeah. has those like sort of like weird like cartoony figures. It, it
1: looks like one of those like blow up things outside does, of a, a car wash yeah. that is like blowing in the wind.
0: I think the moon shaped pool. Um, Album cover is is really I think it's really cool. It has it's like I like the simplicity of it, but there's a lot to look at, yeah. and um and there's the, sort of the reflective quality of it. Might be oil, it might be water. I'm not sure what is in the the pool, but um it, yeah, there's a lot to look at, and I I really like the the font they used for for Radiohead mm-hmm. and, and the album title in the bottom, and I like the title.
1: What do you think of that? I really like the title actually. It it like I, what I like about the cover. It's called a moon-shaped pool the pool itself like isn't actually moon shaped it's like barely moon shaped
0: yeah sort of sort of vaguely moon shaped yeah,
1: which I which I really like um I think the entire look and feel of the album cover really reflects the sounds that you hear on this album there it's kind of like this dreamlike, silvery quality Shimmery. about it. Shimmery. It's yeah. And a lot of the songs reflect that. So I think once again they nail the visual aesthetic and it complements the 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 sounds that you're hearing as well.
0: And I think that like I don't know, I, I actually People might think it's silly how much we break down album titles and album covers, but I actually think it's a really important part of the whole artistic for, statement. For Radiohead especially. Yeah, and I think that words like moon and pool are cool evocative words. Mm-hmm. Like, and they just poetically sort of flow nicely. And yeah, like you said, I think the cover with it, it has the sort of the white and the silverish... Tones in there. Moon
1: is a very Radiohead thing. You know, you had yeah. "Sail to the Moon" on "Hail to the Thief." I'm yeah. sure they've referenced it in other times before. It just seems like a very Radiohead thing.
0: It seems like more of a Radiohead thing than the Sun. Yes. Which might be a little tangential, but the Moon has a has a good history in music as well, like Nick Drake's "Pink
1: Moon." yeah I just like the That's word right. "moon," I so do I was too. excited
0: it was involved. "Dark Side of the Moon." You gotta. You, Big, big, big shout! Bad to the moon. moon Rising. Big shout to the moon. Big friend of the pod. <laughs> Huge friend of the pod. they usually out while we record. Right now, it's actually a sunny day. That's right. So I um, wanted to talk about the experience, Sean, of of having a new Radiohead album to break down and listen to. I think, I I think that a new Radiohead album is like a new Daniel Day Lewis movie. It's they don't come around that often. Johnny Greenwood's involved in some way. Paul Thomas Anderson's probably (laughs) involved. And you just know that, like... So even if it's something like King of Limbs, which I actually really like that album, but some people thought it was a misstep by the band. Um, But you pretty much always know they're going to bring it and do something interesting, Um, which is why I compare them to DDL, because every time he does a movie, it's like he becomes the character he is. And I just think you know you never know how long it's going to be between a radiohead album could be 5 it, years could be any amount so, of time so
1: what ends up happening is it feels like this momentous occasion this big event and then when you actually get down to listening to it it feels it feels surreal you're like i need to give this my full attention this is like a big deal and then that first listen through always like Things don't totally click at first because it's Radiohead and not, it's like it's dense and it's layered and it's a little difficult to figure out what they're actually doing. And then you're like, "Huh?" Like, there's some things I know I'm gonna like, but you don't have like a like a, 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 an opinion right away.
0: You can't. It would be really hard to. It's actually difficult. I think for even us to have opinions right on this now. on a Tuesday yeah. after the album came out on a Sunday. But um, I think not only is it surreal, it also like, because like you said, it's so momentous and you, you're just, you're so excited and you put it on and it's like this, there's a whole build up there. And then what it actually is, is it's, it's an album. It is. It's music. It's like, like oh,
1: I've done this a million times where I've just listened to an album. Like it, it it's not going to change put, your life. You put so many expectations on it. Like, this is going to be a transcendent experience. And it's like, no. It's just you're listening to an album.
0: Yeah, and even if you really, really like it, and you're, like you said, picking out parts, and that's what you have to do with Radiohead. Like, there are parts of songs where, like, the strings at the end of the numbers. Like, I will get into that yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, But when I first heard that, I was like, yep, I'm going to love yes. that for a
1: long time. Or, or, like, the guitar on, like, Identikit yeah. and stuff like that. yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it's funny, because we've listened to so many Radiohead albums now, when has it ever been a transcendent experience on the first listen? The best thing about a new Radiohead album isn't the first, second, third, fourth, or even fifth listen. It's like the 30th listen when like all those things actually start to click yeah. and it like hits you in this right way. That's when it becomes amazing, not when it first comes out.
0: Right, and to go back to what I said about In Rainbows, like that's an album where nine years ago, whenever it was I first listened to it, again, I found it incredibly difficult to get into. I like didn't really understand it. Now I listen to it and it's almost in one ear out the other. I know it so well and it's so it just I I love those songs so so much Um, and I certainly hope and think that's what's gonna happen with this. I think it will. Um, I really think it will. And yeah, but like you said, like having that first breakdown, it is it's not underwhelmed. That's the wrong word, but you you realize really quick. Oh, this is this is just this recorded music. It's eleven songs recorded by five guys. They're great musicians, but this is not like. A, this isn't this life altering
1: occasion like that like I said, that kind of thing comes later. Like you attribute yeah. the emotions you feel later on to this album. So retrospectively, when we talk about it in Rainbows or an okay computer or kid A, in retrospect, you're like, holy shit, those are amazing. You don't feel that way at first and you can't and
0: I think there's pressure you feel pressure to yeah, you, um, you do and the problem is is like, what happens in my head when I'm listening to a new album where there's all kinds of hype is I can't sort out whether I'm actually liking something or if I'm not liking it because the expectations are so high or if I really do like it, but I'm overthinking it. This yeah. happens to me all the time. For most people, I think you can just pop on albums yeah. and enjoy them. They're not the case for me, because I'm over-analytical and kind of neurotic. Um, <laughs> I think we share
1: that. Yeah, we do. A lot of uh, little mental health issues in this room. A lot of neuroses. Yeah. Um, so Speaking of mental health issues, I think that's a great segue into kind of the themes of this mm. album. So whenever a new Radiohead album comes out, it's always like, what's the overall theme of this? It's like, well, if you look back at really any Radiohead <laughs> release, it's kind of a lot of the same stuff. Tom York is dealing with, you know, anxieties about modern society. And then there's going to be the alienation,
0: those types of things. And then there's
1: going to be some, some themes of like relationships and love thrown in, but in the context of that anxiety. And so with this one, You know, you talk about Burn the Witch, which a lot of people, it has clear political themes to it. Um, It's it's a lot, it's a big commentary on just groupthink in general. You could attribute that to the internet. You could attribute that to the European refugee crisis, which which came out a lot. Um, But also, this is kind of a bit of a breakup album, too, because... Tom York, he broke up with his longtime life partner, the mother of his children, uh back in 2015. So it seems to me that a lot of these songs are in reference to that as well. So I think you're getting it's like any radiohead album, you're getting a lot of themes. I don't think you can say there's one overarching one. They're not one to create a concept album. You know, I think it's just a kind of a mixture. What do you think?
0: No, that's a really good point and I um I think that this album um, and maybe we'll get into a, a little bit more with some of the songs, but um, it does feel... So Radiohead, like you said, like if you listen to A Kid A and OK Computer, especially those two albums, those are highly, for the most part, impersonal sort of just critique albums. They're very much outward looking. It's not a whole lot of... I mean, there's some self-reflection, but it's mostly, like you said, it's, it's Tom York's feelings and emotions as they reflect what that means about society. This feels like... Some of that, like you said, "Burn the Witch," uh, but I think some of this album also uh, is highly personal. Like it, it it doesn't feel, you know, as specific as anything close to like a "Sun Kill Moon" or something, um, where where the lyrical themes are so obvious and nuanced that it could only be about one thing. I mean, Tom York. Is I think a, a great lyricist, but I, you know, it's not overly personal with him. Usually things are sort of obtuse; they're a little bit mired in 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 vagaries and uh, and sort of you know poetic justice that, that takes place there. Um, but I do feel that there uh, there are points on here where Tommy York is sort of letting his guard down a little bit, and we'll get into some of those songs. Yeah. I'll tell you when those points yeah. are. Um, but uh, so in in general. I'm interested in how wh- how you think this album has differed from their previous release. I think that's a big thing because it is. Yeah.
1: So you know, four years ago, King of Limbs came out. Um, in terms of past releases, the King of Limbs was pretty brief. It was eight songs. It was like thirty six minutes. And if you remember the last song on Separator, there's a lyric that says, if you think this is over, then you're wrong. I know there was so much speculation about, like, maybe we're getting a companion piece.
0: And it wasn't only speculation. I think it was, like, hope. It was people were like, this is so short. Maybe we don't love it. We love this second half. It never happened. It was was a lot of,
1: it was misgivings. You know, and some songs came out after the fact, like, little singles, like, um, I don't even remember their name, Separator, things like that. But I think there was this sense that, like, yeah, this is good. I wish there was more. I wish it was a little bit better. It felt a little bit like Radiohead by the numbers with with the King of Limbs, maybe with some more electronic stuff thrown in, a lot of drums. Then you get this one, and this feels like uh, almost like a... Or greatest hits Radiohead sounds, where it's like these are these are sounds we've been hearing throughout their entire career, and they're kind of putting them all together onto this album. I agree. And it seems like a return to form.
0: I agree. I think what Radiohead has accomplished on this album, um, especially coming off of the King of Limbs, is that they've found a way to use some of the sounds they use in the King of Limbs. There are things I'm recognizing, just little like vocal ticks, like like sort of sounds here and there that that remind me of the King yeah. of Limbs. But they've, and like you said, they've incorporated sounds. I can hear stuff that, like, kind of even reminds me of OK Computer. Oh, yeah? Stuff yes. that reminds yep. me of In Rainbows. Um, Very much. It does feel like they've found this this perfect medium of, of what their sound is and what their different sounds can be. While, interestingly, also kind of crafting a new sound. This album, it, it, like you said, it, it does have that sort of collective feel. It feels like there's a lot going on. But uh, we talked about the reflective cover. There's a there's a certain aesthetic to this album. The way they recorded the instruments, the pianos, the yeah. strings. There's some stuff they've never done before, um, and uh, yeah, we wanted to talk about that, which is the use of of, of Johnny Greenwood's
1: uh, orchestral string use. The strings on this album are front and center. They're kind They're, of a
0: defining voice on they, the album. They
1: are. They're gorgeous. And one of the things when I was listening through is there's a lot of, like I said earlier, there's a lot of themes of anxiety and panic. There's actually like literal lyrics where it's like the panic's coming down. I I, I think the, these strings are kind of the instrumentation of that panic and of that anxiety. That's what it feels like, especially in Burn the Witch. The way that those... They, they feel like strings out of, like, hell or something.
0: Yeah. Well, and Radiohead is a band that has not shied away from strings in the past. I mean, you can go back to songs like Climbing Up the Walls, right, where they did right. some really interesting stuff with tension, building with those right. strings. Um but I think on this album, more than anything ever before, you're really seeing Johnny Greenwood's talent as a composer. I mean, and he's, like we said, he's done compositions for soundtracks for Paul Thomas Anderson movies, like There Will Be Blood, which are awesome. And it was interesting. It, was, it seemed like a matter of time until some of that seeped its way into Radiohead. Yeah. Um, and I guess to some certain extents it has, but definitely not to the extent that on this album. Right. I, mean, I think on this album, you could argue that it's either like it's between 8 and 10 of the songs are are heavily influenced and and where strings play a huge part in what's going on. They do. In the so- in the sonic breakdown.
1: And I want to go back to where these sounds are similar as well. That makes sense because a lot of these songs have been kicking around for 15 or even 20 years. Yeah, that's a big point. So, like, yeah, of course, a lot of these songs you could pick out and be like, oh, that's that's in Rainbows era. That is Kid A era. That's OK Computer era. Like, it's they're very much of a time and a place because I think it's like seven or eight of the 11 songs in this album have... There's been previous versions before that they've kind of just had floating around.
0: And they've played them live. It's the treatment that they gave Nude off of uh, In Rainbows. That's Nude right. was a song... I mean, It was officially released in 2007. It's a it was, song they started workshopping back it, in the mid-90s. It was
1: written in the OK Computer sessions.
0: Yeah, it was. it's an older song. And they, there's actually a really cool version of Tom Mark doing it live, and that's what a lot of people talked about with True Love Waits. This that's is a right. song... That we'll get into, definitely, because I'm really excited about this song. But that it's been kicking around with Tom York since 1995. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that's like 20 years. It's almost my whole life. Yeah. That, that he's that... had this song just waiting in the wings, <laughs> right. waiting for the right moment. And right. it certainly was the right oh, moment. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into it. So before we get into our track-by-track our track breakdown, let's both just give kind of like <laughs> a quick our quick general thoughts and takes on the album. Obviously, we both really like it. Um, but but what else do you have to say?
0: So in terms of general thoughts, um, I think that there's a certain element of this album where it feels like Radiohead understands their stature, and it, it's like when they talk about a great athlete and what separates someone who's really great from someone who's just good, and a lot of times a cliche you'll hear is like they're letting the game come to them. Yep. I think Radiohead's doing that here. It felt like the King of Limbs... Was a little bit too much of a reach. They're trying to be weird for weird's sake. Maybe ideas weren't totally fleshed out. Again, it's an album I enjoyed. It's actually grown on me a lot. But I think uh, on this album, that that thought just kept coming to me. It feels like they're letting it come to them. Things feel natural. Things feel organic. Um, And it's just an album packed with so many gorgeous moments. Um, And I'm trying to. I have some notes here. And so I also wrote, I think some people have been saying this is a late career triumph. Who are we to say this is late career for Radiohead? Maybe this is, who knows how long they'll go? They could be like a Rolling Stones. They could be like, you know,
1: so that's that's a good point. that's where I want to jump in. I I think this is their last album. This Ooh. This feels so much like a last radiohead album. It feels like they're cleaning out the vaults. Seven or eight of these songs are old songs. It doesn't seem like they're super interested in composing new songs as a band. They're like, all right, let's get these out. Like we owe it to ourselves, we owe it to our fans. I think they, I think they care more about actually doing it for themselves. If you look at the track listing of this album, it's in alphabetical order. That to me is significant. I think it, you know, if you look, it's like, all right, we're going, we're going top to bottom, A to Z. There's a beginning, there's an end, and it ends with True Love Waits which is a song that people have been waiting for an official release for for years and years and years. This is a song that is the stuff of bootleg and live legend.
0: And, and, and Twitter absolutely lost its shit when this song, when people realized this song That's was right. on there and how beautiful it sounded. There was It was a story on my Twitter thing. If you look like, yeah. through the stories, I flipped through one, it was just all these tweets of people like, oh my God, True Love Waits is on here. It's it, amazing. That, a lot of crying GIFs.
1: Yeah, that song to me feels very final from a band where this is maybe their last go round together. It they've been doing more and more solo work by themselves. Johnny Greenwood has been very into scoring films, Tom York's going to do his own solo stuff. It just seems to me that this could be the final release from them and if it is, I I think it's amazing.
0: Well, I think that's a really good point, so it, who knows what time will tell with that. And I think that's a big thing with Radiohead is you do need time to allow these albums to wash over you and to understand them in full context. So if this does turn out to be their last album or if it turns out to be the middle of their run, we we won't know for a while because even if they did release a new album, it'll probably be in the year 2022. Right. But I, I do think that this is an album where not only is it a step up from the King of Limbs. I, I, to me, this is an album that really stands up in their catalog, um, in general. This is agree. gonna be one that gets really, it will be discussed as one of their best, and that's tough because they have so many classic albums.
1: But do you want to do an early, kind of where it would fit into their discography? Very, very early. I mean, obviously, this is probably gonna change. Ye- sure, I'd like to. Yeah, you go first. So I think this is definitely better than Pablo. Yep. This is definitely better than or, I like it better than Hail to the Thief. I think I do too. I think it's. I think it might be a little better than Amnesiac. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Th- it's better than King of Limbs. Yep. It's in that zone of like that Amnesiac, slash like, it, it's it's not first tier Radiohead. It's not OK Computer. It's not, a, it's not Kid A. It's not In Rainbows. It's like just below that that's where, was, where Amnesiac.
0: Lives. That's what I was gonna say. It's it's below the big three. Um, which are, like you said, it's OK Computer, it's Kid A, and it's, um, it's in Rainbows. Those are hard to touch. Again, though, we're talking about those albums with years That's of right. context. And we'll right. see how this album right. continues to grow on us. I do believe this will be in their top five. I think it's in that echelon of the Bends and Amnesiac. It's oh, the Bends. I didn't mention the Benz. Right, it's in yeah. that second tier, like yep. you said, for now. But this album came out two days ago. That's right. <laughs> and so, That's right. That's and so right. All of this is preemptive, and I think it's it, it is tough to rank. Um, but yeah, I think this is an album that, um, you know, it's it's really gonna it's gonna grow on people. It's 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 quiet. It's it's sad. It's very you very know, sad. Uh, the the melodies are a little more. Um, you know, there are some beautiful moments, but that, that also. I feel like melody is not the emphasis. It's sort of on the, the groove and the vibe. And obviously, Tom, yeah. with Tom Work, the territory always is that there's going to be some great melodies. Yeah. Um, do you want to jump into the track-by-track? Track? Yeah, let's do it. Or do you do have it. other
1: thoughts? No, right. let's do it. Let's go track-by-track. Track. So the first one we start out with is Burn the Witch. So we, we talked about the music video, but what are your thoughts on the song itself?
0: It starts this album off with such a bang. This this song is so good. Burn the Witch, I really believe, is like when it's all said and done, which, as you said, maybe that soon... Uh, but with a few years to look back and to put this in context, it's going to be a top 10, 15 Radiohead song. I
1: agree. This song is amazing. It is really, really, good. When we first got it last week in the video, I was blown away by it. The use of the strings, which we talked about, um, the, the message behind it, the melodies here... I love. I mentioned this at the top of the show. The lyric low, "This is a low flying panic attack." Like that's a great. That's a great Tom York line. That's such a Tom York line.
0: I think instrumentally, it just sets the tone so well. It actually is a little misleading because the rest of the album is less uh, direct and um, and sort of aggressive sounding. Or, it, but I think one of my favorite bits in this song is so. Throughout the first half, you get this sort of plucked staccato yeah. yes. violin performance yeah. underneath the the singing, and then. He, as you jump into the second verse as tom york sings red crosses on wooden doors if you float it, yes. you burn the the strings come in more just bow yes. i don't know what you call it bow strummed bow bowed. i guess the the strings are fuller yep. it's one of the best
1: it's moments beautiful. on the whole song it's and album beautiful. it's great and like i said earlier i think there's a connection between the use of these strings and then the feelings of anxiety and and pressure that are a, a surrounding the world if you look at this song it's all about like like we said earlier group think and i think the strings complement what tom is saying in this song really really well also i think this is better than anything they did on king of limbs
0: yeah i mean you definitely could make that argument you could so- argue
1: lotus flower or codex were the two best from from that record I think I think th- this is better than either of those songs.
0: I would, pro- I think I agree, and I think that one of those songs or both are like, if not there, they're like in the next tier down. But yeah. Yeah, this feel, feels like a, a bigger accomplishment. It and does. again, watch this with the music video. Yeah. Because the music video for this song is severely creepy, but it's yeah.
1: really really cool. It is. It's super cool what they're doing. It's got some Wicker Man elements to it. Yeah. Like
0: someone it's... in the YouTube comments literally wrote, "This is just the plot for the Wicker." It Man. kind of is. So it which I haven't,
1: is. I haven't seen it. it was kind of in that is. movie? Uh, well, there was an original in the 70s. I don't know who was in that. And okay. then uh, Nick Cage was in the uh, remake. Oh, okay. So it's a he, classic. Like, he like punched a lesbian in the face. That's what I remember Wow, about yeah. Wow. A lot of yep. connections to Radiohead. There. <coughs> that's right. So
0: track two, Sean, is the other one. So it's interesting. The first two tracks on the album are the first two that we
1: get. I liked this. I did On, on the first listen, I, that, that was some comfort. It eased you into the record because you're like, I've heard both these before. And the name of the song is Daydreaming. This Daydreaming. This is the second track. That's right.
0: At six and a half minutes, it's a long second track. And a
1: very stylistic
0: shift from what you're getting on Burn the Witch. Um, What's going on... I think Daydreaming is a very beautiful song. It's almost like... I wrote that it's like Codex.
1: I wrote that. I I had that, too. This uh, reminds me a lot of Codex. Stole a point. But
0: it's, it's longer... Less straightforward than Codex in my mind, it, it is, it's sort of a little more wandering. Uh, yeah. but I really love this aesthetic. Tom York kills it with these these kinds of sound, so, sounds.
1: Yeah, this is this is definitely more of a ballad to me. This reflected the kind of that dreamlike state that you get throughout the record, which, like we said earlier, complements the name and album cover visual as well. This is giving us our first real taste of that shimmery. You know, like silvery kind of dreamlike quality. Um, you
0: sound like Bob Dylan describing "Blonde on Blonde." Mercurial. When was, yeah, where yeah. he was like, "It's the closest I ever got to that 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 silver mercury sound." That's right.
1: That's exactly like what this is. Yeah. Um, so, this one, uh, the the voices in the background. That are on this one that reminded me of the of some of the stuff that they're doing on King of Limbs. I literally wrote that exactly. Yeah, like that reminds me of like, um, what's the song on? Giving up the ghost. Yeah, a a little bit like that. The don't haunt me part. Yeah, and and so like that was really cool. And again. That is contributing to that sense of panic and dread that's throughout this album.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's like some of that vocal glitching and those weird sounds making an appearance on this album. I think in a nicer way. Yeah, like it's, again, it feels like they've found more organic and, and actually interesting ways to use those sounds than they did on the King of Limbs. I also and wanted it, to and make
1: it makes sense because this is one of the new songs that they wrote for this record. Right. So like I said earlier, like seven or eight of them were older songs. Daydreaming is one of the new ones. So oh, yeah. it makes sense that they would integrate some of those sounds.
0: A couple musical points I wanted to make on this this, this song. Um, I love the chord changes. There's two points where um, there's a real shift in mood. It's around the 2.15 mark and then again at the four-minute uh, four mark. Um, I think it's when he... There, there, Tom, Tom is just singing over it and then the, the chords kind of completely shift and it goes in a whole new direction. I also love... Again, we're going to be saying this a lot. The use of strings. The
1: strings at the end. They are sound so cool. Amazing. They have
0: this, like, they have like a lack of, a, of attack on them. It feels like they're, like, very quickly fading and they. It's such a cool sound.
1: It is. Uh, really good track. So we move on to, to number three, which is Dex Dark.
0: So, what? first of all, what do you make of this title? Is it. Because if it had an apostrophe.
1: It'd be it, Dex Dark.
0: Yeah, but I don't think it is because it's just Dex Dark.
1: Dark. So it's like plural decks. I don't know. Maybe dark. we're like not. All the decks are dark. Maybe this is, uh, is some sort of social commentary by Tom York that we're just n- not smart enough to understand.
0: Maybe it is. And I th- so interest. So here's the thing with speaking of Tom York commentary, the lyrics on here there's there's a line that goes there's a spacecraft blocking out the sky. This felt very okay computer to me. Here's one of the points where I felt some themes coming in from, yeah, from sure. earlier Radiohead yeah. albums. Yeah, and um,
1: it is also interesting to note that this is also a new song so maybe yeah um i actually i said so that they, they have a backing choir here which is interesting to me this feels like an example of a radiohead song that could have been on literally any album from okay computer until now
0: that's exactly what i thought there's like there there's a nice groove on here which is reminiscent of stuff they're doing on in rainbows and to a lesser extent on the king of limbs um I just think that they, there's such haunting vocals on here, a nice bass groove, the dark piano sounds, the dark piano chords that played l- like largely on this album. They're great here. Um, Radiohead has such a great way of creating mood. Yeah, they just do. on this song, this it, it, actually melodically is a really cool song. This one didn't take long to grow on me at all. This is, I think, one of the more immediate tracks.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and uh, I think that if you were to, it's interesting that you say this is one of the new ones because I wrote a note that says, and who knows if this is true, but. I said maybe this is the song you show a Radiohead fan from nineteen ninety seven, and you say this is what they're up to in twenty sixteen. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I think th- this is like it's four and a half minutes. It's probably around the length they're expecting. It has, it, it would definitely seem to have a progression, but I think there's lyrical themes and some some things going on that that would seem not so
1: alien. To, yeah, uh, very true. Yeah, could could be from any any Radiohead album really. Uh, So track number four... Really quick point. Sorry about track
0: three. Sorry. The groove at the end of the song, the little descending guitar riff, one of my favorite parts. Go ahead, track four.
1: Track four, Desert Island Disc. So this is another old song. So Burn the Witch was an old song. Desert Island Disc has been one that's been floating around for a while as well. So it actually makes sense because there's some acoustic guitar on here, which is surprising for Radiohead in 2016. We don't really get that much. You know, if you think back, the last time we got... Any, I mean, we got some acoustic guitar in "Rainbows," but really, you have to go back to like "Hail to the Thief" or "The Bends" really to for any serious use of acoustic guitar. This actually reminded me of of Nick Drake a little bit in the way that that the strumming was happening, and even in the way that Tom was singing. Obviously, very different voices, but the way that he delivered things in that kind of the, just the rhythm of his of his singing reminded me of Nick Drake.
0: I think that some of the guitar work on this song, um, first of all, I love the acoustic guitar tone on this album. And that's, I think, the biggest takeaway for me about this album, or one of them, is that I don't. there's not a song on here I don't love the way it sounds. Right. Even if, like, and so I think this is a more minor effort on the album. It's not necessarily one of my very favorites. I still enjoy it. I think it just sounds really nice. It's recorded beautifully. The acoustic guitar sounds great. And they're doing... Stuff with the guitar, I haven't heard them do before. They're doing a lot of, like, the hammer-ons and pull-offs, sort of intricate acoustic work. Um, I think it's really interesting. And then you have some spacey ambient synths and bleeps and boops coming in. Very
1: Radiohead stuff. Um, Yeah, I would agree with you, though, that that one... What? Yeah, maybe one of one of my least favorites on the album. If I'm gonna say one right now, it's still too early to even really say. It, but
0: it does feel too early, and I always. But that's the thing is, like even on the songs on this record, where I'm like, oh, maybe not one of my favorites. There's not a point where I'm not enjoying. No. it. No, oh yeah, I
1: really am enjoying this song like, all the way through. Like l- lesser Radiohead songs are better than most artists' best songs ever. So. I, I
0: totally agree. Really quick point um for the listeners. I I Googled what is a Desert Island Disc. Per Google, Desert Island Discs was a talk show radio program broadcast on BBC Radio 4 it was first broadcast on the BBC Forces program on January 29 1942 so there's some so there's a fun fact
1: so what i took from this name was like if if you were to take an album with you to a desert island, what would it be? Like, is this a like is this CD a desert island disc for you? That's kind of how I took it to be.
0: That would be a good game for us to do on the podcast. Yes. And I think that we now have a name for it, Desert Island Discs. Also, like um, the lyrics in here where he says, Through an open doorway across the street to another life and catching my reflection in a window, switching on a light, one I didn't know, totally alive, totally released. Um to, interesting that this is an older song because these feel very much like breakup lyrics to me. They do, um, and and I mean that's a major theme here, and, and I think maybe what Tom York will explore this later, but he rediscovered some meaning in these songs.
1: I think that he related to think, where his life is yep, going. Absolutely, and I think that could be a big reason why he decided to use so many of these. Is you know, a, a lot of these were probably written by a younger man. You know, maybe going through some of the same thoughts, but now able to reconnect with them and, and re-release them in this context.
0: In a new context. That must be such a crazy experience. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you're Tom York, so you're in your late 40s, and you've been writing songs and releasing songs, and you've been a famous musician for years, and now you have these songs that have been around for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and and what the experience must be like to go through a, like pretty much a seismic life event, like breaking up with your significant other... And you're rediscovering these songs and they have meaning that they never meant before i mean i'm sure that crossed his mind
1: it had to have and that's a fascinating thing to think about where i don't think we totally have the context for that still being so young he's had these songs for like almost as long as we've been alive yeah i I, that blows my mind just kicking around and maybe
0: just never knew it does seem like you know radiohead does that they just don't know when to use it or i feel like they have a great sense especially tom york who i think does a lot of the primary lyrical writing of when it's right and I think you nailed agree. it with these songs. I agree. Um, do you want to go to track five? Yeah,
1: number five is Full Stop. So this Full Stop
0: with one L. Well, one L. A lot of yeah, weird spelling is, things. This is
1: a classic Radiohead motif is to like yeah. misspell shit or spell it in yeah. weird ways. But they
0: did it before Limp Bizkit and Lincoln Park. Yeah, They're the OG that's, misspellers.
1: That's right. that's right. So this is an old song as well. Um, so on this one, th- Kind of a a big build-up at first, like a minute and a half, two minutes. Once again, this gave me that sense of dread and panic that is always so prevalent in Radiohead songs. In that build-up, you're just like, "What's happening here? Like, what? When is this gonna like really hit?" Totally
0: agreed. It's it's a slow builder with some like distorted bass sounds going on at the beginning, and like some these really trippy, like spacey synth sounds coming in. It's it is like it's stressful. And, and the lyrics on here, Tom York's just singing, you've really messed up everything. Yeah. He starts singing that. He sings lyrics like, this is a foul-tasting medicine, um, and, and the truth will mess you up. He's singing, like the, and yeah. it's really, lyrically, if you look at the, the lyrics to this song, not a lot there. It's those lines being sort of repeated over and over, and it sets this mood. Um, and he does say, one of the lyrics is, take me back again.
1: So what's so interesting about Tom York and his lyrics is, on the surface, you would probably read this yeah. as a breakup song, understanding where he's coming from. However, you could probably easily turn this into, like, a commentary on global warming. You I mean, know, take me back to when, you know, this wasn't an issue for us. Yeah, you know? you've really
0: messed up everything. That's right. Um, yeah, the truth Yeah, the truthful mess. It you so it could go either way. You know, it could be about a relationship, or it could be about uh, him singing towards... Uh, Governments who are not nimble (laughs) enough to make a move on climate change. Right. Uh, You know what? That's a really good point. And I think that you know who knows which way he's interpreting it. We probably, obviously, will never know because he'll he'll. uh, Tom York being straightforward about something would be a small miracle, actually. (laughs) Right. Um, So it's not going to happen. But I did note, like, are these breakup lyrics? What's going on here? And also. He's singing, in a way, here. It's just subtle, but I've never heard him sing quite like this. It's like what I said with the guitar before. They're doing sounds with the acoustic I had never heard them quite do. It doesn't sound outside their wheelhouse. The, the, the sound of Tom York's voice on this one, it just sounds a little different than what I'm used to. Yeah, I can't
1: quite put a finger on it. The other thing that I, I was thinking, too, is this felt... So it is an old song. I, I said this felt like it could be an In Rainbows track. Um, I thought some of, some of the vocals on it, were reminiscent of some of the things they were doing on there as well as the guitar there's some guitar in the background here that is it reminds me of some of the things you would hear on like reckoner or or things like that um so maybe this is from that era and they're drawing on some of those sounds as well
0: yeah i just had like a couple more notes i wrote that i think it's it's a it's a moody song it's less melodically straightforward than the four you get before It it and i think that if there is a if you have to complain it's a little uneventful
1: for its six minutes. I, I, I totally agree. So yeah. the, in a, it's interesting. Um, this kind of closes out maybe the weakest two parts on the album. It closes side one in maybe not the most momentous way. And this brings up indirectly
0: one of the points I wanted to make about this album in general, and maybe Radiohead albums, is that like I found myself as I listened to this album again. I was being too critical. I was thinking like, what songs are the worst? What songs are the best? And like Desert Island Disc and Full Stop, that kept happening to me. With I was yeah. like, do I really like these? I don't know. I do. I really really like these songs. But I I think I could agree that maybe they're they're like they're in the bottom half. Of the songs here um but again there's no point where i'm listening to either of these songs where like oh make it end make it stop like they're so enjoyable to listen right.
1: to right. even at its weakest points this album is that way so the the sixth song is entitled glass eyes so this yeah. is one of their other new songs it's also their shortest song on the album it's under three minutes and so even though it's
0: short and even though like not a ton happens in glass eyes I, I love too.
1: the sounds this is, on this song. This is one of my favorites me on too. the album. Me
0: too, me too. And I love, I put in my notes, love in capital letters, all caps, about the keyboard piano backwards sort of tone that's going on at the beginning. Yes, Every yeah. time I hear the beginning of this song, I'm immediately sucked in.
1: I agree. Love so the tone of this song. So the lyrics are, they directly reflect that panic. Um, Tom York literally says, panic is coming on strong. You can't get more clear than that, Tom York. Uh, the strings and the piano on this make it, I think, one of the most beautiful on the album That's in general. That's exactly
0: what I what I thought. It's like, even though it's it's short, it, they, it, there's a lot packed in here. It's one of the most beautiful sounding songs. And the lyrics, to just to build off, there's that first lyric, I just got off the train, yes, frightening yes. place, faces are concrete gray. Yeah. Uh, first of all, all-time Tom York type of lyric. Hell yeah. That, that sounds like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was in an OK Computer song.
1: <laughs> there probably is. <laughs> It's probably in like fitter happier somewhere. <laughs> it probably is. So like a lot of songs on this album, this one in particular just hits me in yep. a really certain way. That kind of makes me <laughs> stop me. whatever I'm doing and just be like, wow, I like feel something from this song. The second half in particular has a few of those. This is really that first example on the album where I'm just like this is Radiohead making me feel shit.
0: Yeah, and I and I wrote um, again for this one, like, the strings continue to add to this. Johnny Greenwood really brought it on this album with this, this string compositions, and there's one in here, like, it just feels like he's mastered this. It feels like they totally have found the way to, like, to incorporate that into their sound in a way that is not only seamless, but really, really builds on what they already okay. do. Um, and I agree. This is, like... Just straight up, it's it's one of the album's just most beautiful It's moments, a highlight. For sure. for sure, definitely
1: a highlight. And then we go into track number seven, which is also a highlight. So this is Identikit, which is another older song. This is a song we saw them play live
0: in 2012,
1: I they think. They played this song.
0: So I didn't I didn't know it. But I'm pretty sure as I've looked back on the track list, there was always a song on there I didn't know. It was called Identikit. Oh, I think they played this song.
1: Very interesting. Um, so I didn't know that. Yep. So this one, I, I think this kicks off... An incredibly strong second half of the album. Yeah. The second half of this album, I think, is up there with almost any other Radiohead album. It's very, very strong. Um,
0: Especially this run of songs, from Glass Eyes yeah. through the numbers particularly.
1: Agreed. So, the this is the most guitar that we're getting on the album itself. Um, We're getting that big, like, outro solo. It's got this weird tone to it though.
0: The guitar solo? Yeah. Yeah, the guitar solo is really interesting and it made me wonder, who's playing this guitar solo? Is that Ed O'Brien? Is that Johnny Greenwood? I always wonder with Radiohead because they're a band where everything seems to be just such a collective. I never know who's playing what. I never really look into it. I don't. I, that's not even a question we're meant to answer. I don't know. But I just it is an about. interesting
1: piece of trivia to just know who who is doing what. Well, because
0: they got a couple good guitarists in this band, and maybe Johnny Greenwood is was over like
1: writing the score for this album, and so Ed O'Brien took the solo here. I don't know. So if if you want to talk about breakup album motifs, how about the refrain in this song, which I love. Broken Hearts Make It Rain. You
0: know what it reminded me of is Steph Curry. <laughs> Making It Rain and Breaking Hearts. Broken Hearts Make It Rain applied to many things in my life last night. Uh, this album and to Steph Curry ripping the heart out of Paul Allen and the and the Trailblazers. Um, but that, okay. The Broken Hearts Make It Rain part that kicks off in the second half is by far my favorite part of this song. And I think it's like top three, four parts of the album. Yeah. There's that part after Tom York sings it and there's this sort of this eerie buildup. It then goes into this beautiful, shimmery, uh, I don't even, is it him singing? It almost sounds like female vocalists where they're singing that same refrain, but it's in this lighter tone with like this really like almost angelic vocal quality. I love that part of the I album. I do too. I and really the song. I really
1: do too. Identikit is another highlight for me yeah and um
0: let's see i I think I had one other thing um I just wrote that this song like it really goes places like it just feels like it it, it the thing is it's four and a half minutes It feels so, longer like, than that it that I think that speaks really well to what's yeah. going on with it is like you look like at a song like Full Stop where, I mean, that's six and a half minutes. It doesn't feel like it goes a hell of a lot of anywhere. Again, it's a nice moody piece. I really like what's going on. Identicate packs a shit ton it into does. four and a half minutes.
1: You feel like, a, like you went through a journey on this song, which makes it a highlight for me. For sure. So we move on to track number eight, which is The Numbers. So this is, once again, another old song that had been kicking around for a while. This one used to be called Silent Spring, though. So that was the name that it had previously renamed here into into The Numbers. So we get a little bit more acoustic guitar here. Um, To me, okay, I loved, loved the back half of this song, the strings at the end. To me, though, this seemed like a perfect example of a song that I I personally need to live with a little bit longer to totally like parse out and know what's going on, or to really form an opinion on it.
0: That totally makes sense. I and I I really do get that. I'm loving 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 this. And that's song.
1: the thing about Radiohead is some things are gonna hit yeah. people in certain ways. Exactly. Other songs are gonna oh, take a little bit longer. That's it's, no statement. It's just so dense. I'm not
0: trying to say you're not getting it. I just am really loving it. Everything about this song I just I'm all about. Uh, the tone of the instruments. I mean, I keep bringing this up because I just think that it's so well produced. The the jazzy sort of dark pianos um, and the uh, just everything going on in this early part of the song, I think, is really nice. The chords, the groove, like it, I think it really has it all. It's it's very. I really like what's going on here. And the end of this song, um, or like sort of in the middle, where the where the strings crash in. They they yeah. come in so hard. Yeah, they do. And what I I had this thought that it was crazy. Um, that part of that that song where the strings all come in, it legitimately like rocks. Yeah, it's it's violins. It's, <laughs> it's a
1: string section. Yeah, but it's so heavy, it hits so hard. Yeah, it does. I, the strings on that one are are one of the best examples of them just knocking it out of the park. Well, and there's that
0: part before it too. There's this little mini mini like sort of vocal interlude where things die down and you just hear um, the, these sort of just vocals. Like sort of, I don't know if it's Tom York who it is, but there's sort of this like. It, you know, it's Radiohead singing. It's you know, right. sort of mumbly. I can't remember the lyrics. Right. But it comes in and out, and then the strings just blast you. And it, ha- and it happens again at the end of the song.
1: I understand maybe 25% of the lyrics on this album. Which is interesting. As a huge lyrics guy. Did- I, what I need to do, I need to take a deep dive where I have, like, the lyrics in front of me for each song. And, like read along as i'm listening
0: yeah and on an album where the strings play a huge role i think this is the song where they are the most impactful Mm -hmm. for me in many ways Mm -hmm. because it's just so like it i don't know they're just a really
1: bold sound on there um which brings us to track nine track number nine present tense so this is another older song this is one of my favorites on the album i remember the first listen through i got to this song and it was funny because I was just laying down. I was laying on my bed. I had like closed my eyes. I was I was tired, and I was in this in between between like n- n- t- like sleeping and awake. It was very peaceful, and this song came on, and it. I love what they're doing on with the lyrics and the way Tom is singing on here. He's going like this dance, and he's like. This dance is a weapon and that he like yep. it's just this one sentence thing but it's drawn out.
0: So I have I have a, a big point but a small one first. The lyric this dance is like a weapon against the present tense is really interesting. Yeah. I love the way that like you lo- It's that's one of my
1: favorite lyrics on the on the it, record.
0: All we're doing is distracting ourselves from what's really going on. But Sean, I have a theory as to why I'm very happy you said this is one of your favorite songs. Uh because your favorite song on In Rainbows is jigsaw falling into place and this song so reminiscent since the beginning since the first time i heard it it feels like like almost like a counterpart song it does. to it, that it, because it that song is about going and being with someone at a like a club or a party and like as your favorite song starts to play there's dancing involved in that song this feels like the older more mature version of of jigsaw falling into place for me
1: that i love that take from you and i actually said on mine i said this feels like an in rainbows era song i was i was getting that jigsaw vibe it also (coughs) had excuse me that's that consumption it's that consumption that's just hanging on still gotta gotta kick that uh it i said the guitars in this are beautiful it has to me it feels like some of those similar like finger-picked yeah. Whatever they're doing on on a lot of the It Rainbow songs showing up again on here.
0: It feels like the slow dance that would have come after Jigsaw falling That's into right. place, and because he's saying it's actually really quite a romantic song. He's saying lyrics like "In you, I'm lost." It's about getting lost in the moment with like uh, dancing. It's not traditionally what you think about when you think about a Radiohead like what lyrical themes they're gonna bring no, to the table. No, uh, but yeah, this. This song really is beautiful, and it's interesting. You said the numbers took you a while for it to grow on you. I think I overlooked what was so great about this song the first few times. I didn't dislike it, but I was like, there were a couple listens where I was like,
1: ah, maybe, maybe not one I I, love. I also think that this dichotomy between the numbers and present tense is a really good indicator of what kind of Radiohead fans both of us are. I think the numbers is really indicative of what you love about them. Interesting. And Present Tense is something that I love about them.
0: Well, here's the thing. I love both these songs. Sure. Um, and I think that you probably do, too. Like, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like You're talking about two huge Radiohead fans. But I think that's a really good point. Because I think what... couple pres- big
1: Radioheads. Am mean, I right?
0: Absolutely, you are right. And I think what's interesting <laughs> is that you're... That's a good point. Because the Present Tense highlights sort of... Um, The focus, Tom York's lyrics are like they're in focus here. You can hear them, you can understand them, Um, and it does have that sort of, like sort of shuffly. uh, It's like a dancey guitar thing going on. It
1: reminded me of Jigsaw. I was reading a review today, and I think they were talking about this song that they're like it's it's samba influence. That's
0: right, and then the numbers um, is so dense, and like there's so much instrumentally to unpack. That like yeah, that's total dude. That's like porn for me. Like right. I love that kind <laughs> right, of shit. Exactly.
1: And I think also if you look at that title, present tense, and yeah. if we're going with that theory that this is kind of the the older, more mature, you know, after jigsaw, it's like oh, this is me in the present tense. Kind of this is how I'm feeling. I think that title really makes sense and supports that that theory.
0: Yeah, and then like again, there are just some really nice melodic moments on this song. Um, and and it's it's a. I think what happens is you get through. Uh, identikit you get through the numbers and those are a couple really pretty intense yeah. like sort of builders of radiohead songs that are dark this song's a little lighter it it i mean obviously it's radiohead so it's not exactly a, a you know a happy song but it, it has sort of a you know it's a little bit lighter and i think that that's what happened to me the first few listens i was like oh i don't know but but it definitely has grown on me it's actually really beautiful and the background vocals going on near the end are nice yes. the whole thing's relaxing
1: yes great song so that we move on to number 10, the penultimate track.
0: Awesome, awesome
1: song title here. This, this song title is great. Tinker Tailor Soldier, Rich Man, Poor Man, Beggar Man, Thief. I think you missed Sailor. Did I? I think it's Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Sailor.
0: Sailor? Rich Dude. man, poor man, beggar man, too, thief. Too,
1: too, many, too many things. A lot of things. So here. this is clearly a uh, a riff on Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy. Sure. Which yeah, is the novel and movie starring Gary Oldman, Benedict Cumberbatch. Basically any big British actor was in that movie. Tom Hardy was in it.
0: The John Le Carre book is what it's based on. Name, it's spy thriller.
1: Yeah, spy thriller. So this kind of ties in with this idea that, like, you can't trust anyone, like, this anxious kind of we-don't-trust-anything-in-society radiohead theme. Um, so to me, this sounded like the closest thing to something you would find on Kid A or Amnesiac. Sure. It has, like, those, like, bouncing beats in it that sound, like, a little bit colder. Um interesting that this is a new song though and they're kind of jarring on that that sound
0: they are and i think that it's it's more and more what you said before about them just taking sounds from different albums and then using them and building upon them with this new sound because you're right it has i love the little excuse me the little riff that starts this song uh it's very radiohead um and like it's very like old radiohead but then at the end there's this Cinematic, dark, eerie string section yeah. again, right? But it, and it, like they're building these sort of songs that like they do call back to older Radiohead sounds. Um, and I I really like the vibe on this song. I did note that if I like had to pick, this may be a least favorite for me. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I am with you. This is, in my opinion, the weakest on the second half of the album. Okay, it's a it's a bit of a dip. And then we hit track number eleven, Jake. We sure do. It, which is maybe the best on the album. It, it,
0: it, it's re- so true. Love waits. True is love the name waits. Of the song. Track
1: and eleven. You
0: it, so, it's just gorgeous.
1: Like we said earlier, this was an older song that had been kicking around for years and years and years. This has been played live many times. Fans would have bootlegged versions of this. There's so many stories out there that I read on Twitter or in reviews about people. Mm-hmm. Looking on Napster for for True Love Waits demos or bootlegs, and then just they download it, and it would be something completely different. Yeah. Um, I so go ahead. This appeared for the first time in any sort of official sense on the I might be wrong live recordings live album oh, okay. from Radiohead. So this came out uh, after Amnesiac, after Kid A, after Amnesiac. That was their tour, and they did a live album of a collection of those things. So. On that album, they had you know songs from from both Kid A and Amnesiac, and it closed out with "True Love Waits," a live version of it, with an acoustic guitar, not the piano that we're getting on this one. So it's interesting to see how this song has progressed over time.
0: Well, when we talk about lyrics taking on new meanings as Tom York grows older and as as these songs age. Um, this might be the best example. Yeah. The refrain here: uh, "Just don't
1: leave, don't leave." Him, him singing it over... I, yeah. I literally just got goosebumps, yeah. even from just hearing you say it. Well, because in the way he
0: delivers it is in perfect, haunting Tom York fashion. I just want to read the first bit of the lyrics to this song. He, the lyrics are, I'll drown my beliefs to have your babies. I'll dress like your niece and wash your swollen feet. Just don't leave. Don't leave. Like, so the I think what's going on there, at least... From this interpretation from this sort of radiohead breakup album interpretation is like look like I'll do anything like right. just don't go right like, and it, it actually I, I, if there's a song that like would make me cry, I'm not much of a crier. I don't like I don't cry a lot to music, but this this is one
1: that could do it to me. I completely agree with you. I, I this song ruins me emotionally and that's not something that like happens to me. I don't feel things, Jake. This song makes me feel shit, okay? So it's great for that. Like, I, this is a perfect example of what I said earlier about listening to a song on this record and it stopping me dead in my tracks and having to just be like, holy shit.
0: You texted me that earlier and I couldn't agree more and what I responded to you with was totally true, which is that... Every time this song comes on, I actually catch myself and laugh at myself because I'll be, like, staring into the horizon. Right. If there's a window nearby and this song comes on over my headphones, I sort of just, like, stare wistfully away at, like, sort of the middle distance and, like, and just ponder sadness.
1: If, if there is an example of a song that lends credence to the fact that people just have like a spiritual and deep emotional connection to music. It's this one. Like this is like exhibit A. This might be one of Radiohead's most beautiful songs they've ever written in a career of beautifully written songs.
0: Yeah, and I think it just it's the best example like we said of a song that takes on new meaning. The separation from Tom York's partner. I mean like I didn't know that going in. I read that I think maybe before my second listen and the song just took on just such I a know. heavy just it's such a sad i mean i just think it's so interesting the way he what he did with that and i think like, that goes to show their their instincts for, like, when it's time for a song to come out. He's like, you know what? This is where True Love Waits has to come out. And and your theory about this being the last song on the last Radiohead album. How fitting. Don't leave. How fitting. It'd be beautiful. Now, here's the thing. Are we falling into the the King of Limbs track where, where if we think it's over, then we're wrong? Maybe we're reading too much into it.
1: I hope we are because I don't want this to be the no. last Radiohead album. Why the hell would we root for that? No way. If it is, this is a great song to end it with. I said that this is a perfect closer to the album, and if it ends up being a closer to one of the greatest rock band careers of all time, it would also be the perfect closer for that. Can I just say, like,
0: look, I I love Tom York's lyrics, but I love them on this song even more. <laughs> Listen to, dude, I'm not living, I'm just killing time. Your tiny hands, your crazy kitten smile, just don't leave, don't leave. So, like, those lyrics, it's like, it, like... Dude, I'm like—it's the things that you hate about a relationship where he's like, "We're just wasting time together," and then it's a couple of these like small details, tiny hands, crazy kitten Jesus. smile. It's the stuff he loves about her, and but it's also what he hates. And then, but when he when she's gone, just like, "Don't leave, Tom." You're killing me.
1: This song, I can't. I might I, have to stop the pod. I know. I'm get—we're getting emotional. God it's damn. getting dusty in here. Oh man. Uh, yeah. True love waits. Uh, um. In uh, haunted a force. Yeah, 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 that song is amazing. So, I just took
0: the lyrics off a lyrics website and like put them in my
1: notes. It's like, I'm gonna be referencing these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just took,
0: there's actually really not that much. There's, no, it's just yeah. like lyrical, it's simple. Farce. Uh,
1: so that that kind of sums up the track by track breakdown. Um, so Jake, I think we kind of talked about this all the way through, but favorites and least favorites. My favorites, it's true love weights, glass eyes in present tense are, are my my three favorites
0: my three favorites are burn the witch
1: oh and burn the witch that's that good yeah it goes without saying
0: my favorites are burn the witch true love waits and i think the numbers mm-hmm. that next tear down would be like identikit um yeah some of those songs i'm not sure but i think those yep. are the big three burn the witch true love waits and the yep. numbers for me yeah um what, what are we thinking for a score this is really hard.
1: This is... And see, this is something... We've given w- it two days here. This is something I wanted to bring up earlier, is that it doesn't feel fair to, like, critically assess a Radiohead album this soon after it comes out. It does And it's for all the reasons we already said, that it, like, it takes months and years sometimes for this album to really hit you and to mean something to you.
0: Well, and that's why when, when I'm looking at Metacritic and I'm looking at sources around for scores, like, I'm interested... It all feels premature. Like they're, and they've right. been really positive, so I've agreed with them, the reviews, but like I'm seeing scores and like there was like Spin literally released an article like maybe the day after it came out and it was like our first like our, our just quick reaction takes. and there were like th- I think four reviews, two of them were nines out of tens, two of them were sevens out of 10. And I was just thinking, I was like, if you're giving this a seven out of ten, are you really listening to all of it that well? Like, oh, it came out on a Sunday. This is a Monday. You're putting out a review. That, yeah.
1: And so, like with Drake, that, that feels like such a hot take. It
0: does. And so, for example, with Drake, we we actually did have a couple more days. We had from a Friday to a Tuesday. And I, you know, uh, I it might be too early to, to give this a, a score, a numerical if,
1: score. So I, I yeah, I, it really is. I don't we know. We like... can try. Yeah, I'll try. I'm going to give it like, at the at the lowest conservative end, like an eight point eight or an eight point nine. At its highest, I could see it getting up to like a 9.5.
0: I actually totally agree. I think the low end for me is like, yeah, it's that eight seven eight eight range. Um, but that's right now. Again, Great. this is an album that came out at two p.m. on Sunday. It's currently seven o five p.m. Tuesday. I've only had so much time to listen to this, and it's been all back-to-back. Back. I haven't let it wash over right. me. I haven't let it be organic. I've right. just been kind of forcing listens um, just to get as many as I could in. This could go as high as into the mid-nines for me. I mean, yeah. it, it like really is, I think, an album of that quality. And it's just a thing where, like, there are subtler moments on here. There are moments that aren't going to be immediate, as with anything Radiohead, which is why scores this early feel preemptive. It feels too... It just feels forced to yeah, do it. it
1: only, only time will tell with this one, like any Radiohead album. But I think that's probably the best that we can do with it. So to wrap up, uh, do you want to talk about what this means for Radiohead's legacy? I for, for them and for, I guess, as, as a rock group in general. So I think
0: it's interesting that this album came out the same year that Black Star by David Bowie yep. came out. And there are a couple albums that have... I think some sort of sim- similar themes. So if we're going to look at this through the lens of like, this is their last album. I actually love that theory in a way that like, I just like it as a theory as I like looking at bands catalogs retrospectively and it would be interesting historically. Not that I don't want to get more Radiohead, I do. But it's an album cover with similar, like it's the the white and sort That's of right. dark. It looks kind of like that. Um, and so I, I'm not sure exactly what I'm trying to say about that, but I think that this album, especially coming off King of Limbs, even if, if it were a last album or if it weren't, it feels like this is a really important album in their catalog and has once again solidified them. Because if you... So Hail to the Thief is a good album. Um, but I think, like we said, there was a little bit of flux in those years between... And then in Rainbows, solidified them again. Right. The King of Limbs left a lot of people wanting. It left a lot of people confused. Again, I like that album a lot. But but you come into... I don't think it really even compares to this It record. doesn't.
1: And I think if we are talking about this as a last album this just solidifies even more one of the best collections of albums in rock music history for any group other than the Beatles It's like it's like up there it's it like seriously is in terms of just quality and consistency over years it, it unparalleled
0: it truly is and like with the Beatles it's it's it's, it's hard to compare because they did. All those albums in ten years. Radiohead's done it over twenty. But music's different now. Right. They're like they're not churning out albums. And and you know what? Radiohead's early discography is better, faster than the Beatles were. Yeah. You got the Beatles, and and, you know they they were sort of discovering what it meant to be a band like this that wanted to push boundaries. And they didn't do so for a few albums. Radiohead, with even the bends, kind of started to on their third album they have OK Computer. So if we're looking at this as a collective catalog, which again is not announced, we're not saying this is definitely their last album. It would be a poetic finish. Um, if it is just another Radiohead album, I think it is equally important, if less sort of poetically satisfying. But it it definitely is just... It's just evidence of, like, this band has legs. They just mm. keep doing this shit. They Like, they can't be stopped.
1: No, it just... It's a real testament to how great they are as musicians, as songwriters. The understanding that they have of crafting these songs, what they mean... They get it.
0: If if only there could be like a Radiohead documentary, oh, yeah. I would be so interested to see what the dynamic is in the studio between these five guys.
1: Would that take away a little bit of the, of the mystery with them? It's kind of like... It would. I think that's a big part of their appeal. I think so too. It's like you don't really know what the hell is going on with them. And that's them.
0: why it's so interesting. That's why I find myself wondering so much. I'm like, what is like... Especially with like Ed O'Brien and, and Johnny Greenwood, I always find myself wondering, like, what is what are they doing right. on this song? I know what the drummer's doing, I know what the bass player's doing, and what Tom York does is obvious, but there's just elements of this band where, like, you get this feeling that they could be playing anything at any time. And with each new album, they just bring just some, something great to the table. I've just, I, I mean, especially over the past couple days, today, particularly, I got three listens in or whatever. I've just been, like, really loving this. Me too. It's washing over and me. And for
1: me, after King of Limbs came out, you know, we didn't get anything for a few years. I was like, you know what? Radiohead, like, what? Well, uh, I don't know what to think of them so much anymore. I don't know where they stand for me personally in terms of, like, favorite bands. I'm like, of course they're one of my favorite all times, but, like, what are they doing now? This, once again, like we said earlier, just reaffirmed that they're the best. They're alpha dogs. They're going to do... What they do, yeah, and it kind of propelled Radiohead back into my, my, my consciousness, and let like reminded me that they are just one of the best to do it.
0: They are, and it it, it does feel like they're one of these bands that like they're one of these last lingering legacy bands where I just I, I there's been these press photos going out. It's on their website, and it's just the five five headshots of the five of them, and like. I can only imagine if you've been a Radiohead fan since the very start. But like even for me, I've been a fan since like ten years ago, and it gets me like a little emotionally worked up yeah. to see the, like these five portraits of five guys. It reminds me of not to bring the Beatles up again, but like the portraits in the White Album. Right, it's like these these are five men who they've they've grown up together. They started Radiohead in the late '80s, and they're still going at it together. They've all changed, you know. Johnny Greenwood does musical stuff with um, with with movies, and mm-hmm. Phil Selway releases solo music. But they they're still doing this. They're still coming together because I feel like they have this understanding that when they do, something
1: great comes out. I, I agree, and actually, I think Johnny Greenwood had a tweet, um, and he said, "I'm happy we did this. Really proud of this one," and like that. Some people are pointing to is like this seems like um, gives more credence to that theory that it's their last album. Because he's like, you know what? I'm happy we we did it this way. I'm happy we did it right. I'm happy we went out on top, kind of. Which
0: feels very much like like an Abbey Road type of statement. Like, they were like, maybe, who knows what they're up to as a band? I don't yeah. know. Like, they're going through a lot. Yeah. They're all, again, adults who have, you know, fostered this relationship together for years. You, that wears on people like crazy. Yeah. Bands talk all the time about how being in a band is like a marriage with several people right and so 20 years on I'm sure it could be you could be wearing on them and I think what you, there's the great bands the truly great ones like the Radioheads, like they they know when it's time and they know how to make these
1: statements absolutely uh, I think that's a great place to leave it yeah, I think um, it is yeah we both love this album we'd love to know what you think of it um, tweet at us at level four underscore media. Also, if you're interested in more Radiohead content, you can check out our Radiohead podcast where we broke down their entire discography. And we have some good stuff on level4media.org about them as well. So check that out. Um, We'll see you next week. Until next time. Thanks, everybody. We are recording. We're recording. We are, dude. How about Twitter last night reacting to Steph Curry? Awesome. Two a.m., game ends. I'm delirious with with tired. It's not a thing. But fatigue would have been fatigue, an acceptable noun form, dude. Your fucking picture of like their owner or whatever <laughs> who looks like a turtle just just shocked and appalled. And then Franklin came into my head, and it just yep. went from there.
0: Well, I tweeted that picture of Franklin like, kicking around a soccer ball. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, that little guy
0: had game. People forget. People do People forget, forget that. Did you see Like those bears in that picture didn't have a <laughs> chance? No.
1: There was no he shot. He was nutmegging their ass left and right. That
0: game was incredible, man. Curry's something else. 40 all, all, points
1: off the bench. Off, a, off an injured, Like He hadn't played in two weeks.
0: And he set like an NBA record for most points in, <laughs> in, and in an overtime. overtime. And it was just like, I feel like everyone who was watching... You, like, expect it. It's like when you are, like, if you know that a hurricane's coming, and you're like, oh, I know what this could do, but you're always in disbelief when it does it's, what you think, what you knew yeah. it could do.
1: Like, I was watching, and he would put these shots up, and in my head, I'm like, that's probably going in, and then he'd nail it, and I would audibly just say, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. just laugh. <laughs> like I just laughed to myself. He's amazing.
0: Well, I had just gotten home. I fell asleep for a couple hours at Mary Kate's (coughs) house, big friend of the pod. Friend of the Um, pod, and uh, I drove home. Couldn't fall asleep again, so I popped the game on. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy to be a witness to what actually might be a classic, an all-time classic Curry
1: playoff game. Yeah, getting a little sports. The pre-team's getting a little NBA breakdown. Here's some
0: NBA talk. This would
1: be a preview of if we had an NBA podcast,
0: which I think would be like potentially
1: fun. Well, one of our other friends, big friend of the pod, Jake Gallagher. He wants to do his own MBA podcast. His own? Yeah. Yeah. I think he definitely should. Get on that, Jake. We'll start a podcast network. I'll listen. We can we can be on each other's shows and stuff.
0: Yeah, we've and I have some ideas ruminating about potential podcast network extensions. Maybe the
1: premium team we can Yeah. Maybe we see we keep talking about like premium content. We're gonna do that. We're just we've been we really busy. Yeah. We've been super busy. Look, we'll, we're
0: two guys with jobs. We don't have all the time in the world to create and we, go to, team we
1: go to like four concerts in yeah. in four nights. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, All right, you ready to get started? I sure am. I'm excited. All right. All right. Ready? Three, two, one.